So once again, Merry Christmas and Happy Feast Day as we celebrate this great patronal feast for us that Mother Church and her wisdom gave us these patron saints of Joseph and Mary and the child Jesus to intercede for us, to protect us, to pray for us, to be our model and our guide. And so it's with great joy that we celebrate this day as a parish family. And then it's typically the Sunday following Christmas that we have this feast day. And what, how fitting it is to celebrate the Holy Family so close to Christmas. As just last week, we, we celebrated the, the Son of God becoming man, taking flesh. And today we highlight that that happened within the context of a family. You know, many of us, these past few days, have been gathering with our family. And so it's good to hear this ideal of what our lives, our families are supposed to be. That this call to the holy family is our model. I'm sure many of us failed in some of those great virtues that St. Paul told us about in that second reading. Many of us came to terms with the fact that we're not there yet. And so it's with that acknowledgement, that awareness, that we enter into this feast to realize that God has set the standard for us. That God has designed this program of family life, of what marriage is. And as we've been saying for the past few years, we need this feast day now more than ever. When the cultural tide is swirling against marriage and family as God has designed it. There's so many attacks on what God has planned for us. And sadly, not just from without the church, but even within the church, we hear voices creating chaos and confusion, seeking to disrupt God's plan for marriage and family life. And so we need this feast. So not just because we recognize that we are imperfect, but we need the constant reminder of what our goal is. Because we would easily be swayed to be okay with just going our own way and doing things our own way and not receiving the divine inspiration from the mouth of God, the teachings of Holy Mother Church to instruct us, to guide us into the reality of what marriage and family life is. And it's this holy family that we celebrate I think we've said before, not the perfect family, not the ideal family, which those words might be used to describe Mary and Joseph, but we're called to be a holy family. And that the word holy means to be set apart, and in particular to be set apart for God. And this is where we can look to Mary and Joseph as our models, because they both were open to interruptions. Both of them had their lives interrupted by God's plan for them. Yes, Mary was sinless and she was open to his will, whatever it may have been, but it still was not her first thought. And the same thing with Joseph. As we hear the episodes of the early life of the child Jesus, he 
had to be reminded and urged through the witness of the testimony of the angel that God had a plan and, and with confidence he could follow that. So we learn humility and confidence and courage as we study the sacred scriptures, as Mother Church reveals to us what marriage and family life is all about. Marriage is one man and one woman who in the freedom of their hearts come together for life until death do you part. And they come together for life that they're open to the natural means of procreation, accepting the gift of God of a child according to God's timing and God's plan. And so anything that's not that is not marriage. I mean, it really is that simple. And sometimes we need to be clear because of all of the lies and the, the distortions. And I'm sure if we did a survey of everyone here this morning, your pastor included, who in your family is perfect? Who has not been touched by the scourge of the attacks against marriage and family life and all the different aspects? We all have. So this isn't spoken and preached and proclaimed with any condemnation or any judgment. But just because some people, for some reason, have made bad choices, some people, for some reason, are living as a consequence of someone else's bad choices, doesn't mean we deny the truth. It doesn't mean we don't pray for the grace to have our hearts and our minds converted to God's plan for marriage and family life. And if it's ourselves who are in situations that might be called irregular, we pray for the grace of conversion and the desire to reconcile with Holy Mother Church and their people in our lives and our families and our friends who are living outside of God's will. We pray for them as well with compassion and mercy and empathy. We don't know why people do what they do or how they got where they are, but we know what God's plan for their life is. And so when St. Paul says today, above all these things, put on love. That has to be what motivates us. As we gaze upon the crash scene, the early life of Jesus, as we meditate and contemplate the gifts of the Holy Family, that we pray to be motivated by love. And the word that St. Paul says to put on love, it's like getting dressed as a verb he would have used. There's an action there. There's an intentionality there to put on love. And love simply means to will the good of the other. To will the good of the other. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we know that the good of the other, the best for the other, is for each one of us to live in a lifelong relationship with Jesus Christ. So that when we die, we will be with him forever in heaven. That's what our opening prayer prayed for. That as we imitate the virtues of the Holy Family, that one day we will be with him forever. Because it's not so much your own personal family, which is as important and necessary and good as that is. It also is the Holy Family of the Roman Catholic Church, the new family of God. That through the waters of baptism, you were brought into God's family. He adopted you. 
You've become a co-heir with Christ, a son and daughter of the living Father. And so there are virtues, the call to imitate the life of Mary and Joseph is for all of us as the body of Christ. And so we maybe spend some time this afternoon or in the days to come rereading that first reading and that second reading of what it means to be in the family. Especially that first reading helps us to understand how we live out the fourth commandment to honor our mother and father. And also as mothers and fathers, how do we live our lives in such a way that it it makes it possible for our children to honor us? Are we being faithful to what God has called us? And we spend some time also in contemplation of the manger scene, which we're still in the Christmas season. So I know our houses are all still decorated. Our trees are up. The manger scene is still in the living room. And we're still celebrating daily this beautiful gift of the incarnation that God has come to dwell among us. That the eighth day is tomorrow, and then we still have the 12 days of Christmas. Then we go to the baptism, which is in nine days, eight days. And then if we really want to be historical in our celebration, we're going to go all the way to February 2nd, 40 days after Christmas, when Mary and Joseph presented Jesus to the temple. That's the gospel we heard today. 40 days, February 2nd. The Mother Church invites us to celebrate Because we need this anchoring. We need this reminder to gaze upon the Holy Family. And what can we learn? First, we can learn the silence of the Holy Family. There are very few episodes in the scriptures that tell us anything about the early life of Jesus. And most of them deal with hardship. Most of them deal with a little anxiety and panic. And so again, the perfect family, the holy family, is not one that's just easy and smooth sailing, but it's one that's lived with Jesus. And so when there's so much noise in our culture, seeking to destroy marriage and family life and God's plan for love, we need the silence of Nazareth to allow the word of God to dwell within us richly, as St. Paul said, so that God's thoughts, God's mind, God's way becomes ours and we're not unnecessarily influenced by the lies of the culture, even if it's our own lived experience. And so we enter into the silence of Nazareth to learn that secret of meditation and contemplation upon the good things, the true things, the beautiful things of this world. And then we can look at St. Joseph, who we commonly call the carpenter. But another way of, of translating his description would be a man who works with his hands, just a general craftsman, which may have been just a carpenter, but he may have, he may have been so much more. But we learn by contemplating the life of Joseph, the value, the necessity of hard work. We can imagine what that life was like for Joseph and what it did to his mind and to his heart and the calluses on his hands that helped him to live out God's will for his life. I saw a a study recently 
that said in our country, not counting the unemployed, but there are over 7 million able-bodied men who have simply quit looking for work, who have settled for a life of worklessness. Can we imagine the destruction is doing to the fabric of our culture and the fabric of our families when men are denying their number one call was to be workers and providers for their family. And so we must recapture the beautiful gift of work, of hard work, of work that transforms our minds and our hearts and our bodies. And especially for our dads, you must train your sons to work, to work hard, to work with their bodies. Yes, we need technological fields. We need that. But they need to work. They need to work with their hands. And so we can learn from Joseph this beautiful gift of hard work. And so the the quiet scene of Nazareth has so much to teach us. And then we turn to the scriptures to learn what it means to be a member of the family. Be a holy family. And again, those virtues that St. Paul tells us about. How well do we live those out? And maybe the two most important, I mentioned love already, but he speaks so well about forgiveness. Because when we hold on to hurts, and some of us have been hurt really deeply, badly. Some of us in one way seem to be, to be righteous and are holding on and to refusing to forgive. But we will be judged at the end of our life on how well we love. And if you don't forgive, you cannot love. It really is that simple. It's simple what marriage is, and it's simple what's required for love. But forgiveness is oftentimes a gift that the Father works through us, not just a work that we do on our own. And to forgive someone doesn't deny the pain that we felt. It doesn't deny the wrong that was committed against us. What forgiveness does, it says, I choose to imitate Jesus, who on the cross, after he had been beaten and abused, said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, so that I can imitate Christ on the cross with the immense love of the Father. It's not easy And again, I'm sure for many of us, most of us, these past few days have proven to us it's not easy to be a holy family. It's not easy to be virtuous and to do the right thing each and every time. It's not easy to be obedient. It's not easy to follow God's will. But Mary and Joseph teach us that it's possible. And so we turn to them and we ask them to pray for us for our individual families, for our parish family, and for the mother, our mother church throughout the world, that we will learn to imitate the two great saints, Mary and Joseph, that we can learn to forgive, but above all, we can learn to put on love. Amen.